0: You know, the truth is, last week's message was also, uh, it wasn't heavy, but it was, it was maybe a little bit intense. And so I want to give you some good news today. Today you can rest easy. We're going to be talking about Shabbat. You get it? You see what I did there? Okay, good. So, so you can rest easy, because that's what it means. We're going to talk about the Sabbath. Also, I didn't say Welcome to all new faces and faces I haven't seen in a while. Welcome, great to have you guys. Um, the Sabbath, Shabbat in Hebrew. We sing Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. <clears throat> We're going to talk about it mainly for two reasons. One, it is the fundamental component of Judaism, I honestly think. I mean, Torah, obviously. Hashem, monotheism, all these things. But Shabbat is a central and fundamental part of Judaism and therefore the life of Yeshua, of Jesus. Two, it is a fundamental misunderstanding about Yeshua and the Sabbath, about what he thought, about what he taught, about what he came to do. There's some real confusion tied up when one reads the New Testament about some of the things that happened with Yeshua. So, by way of introduction, I want to ask you a question. Does anyone remember blue laws? Right? And, and there are still some. And, and, and the question is, you know, stores were closed, especially liquor stores. I mean, goodness sakes, you do not, you cannot do that on the Holy Sabbath, right? And yes, there are still blue laws. What day were blue laws observed. Sunday. Why Sunday? It's not a trick question. Why? Why? It's the Lord's day, right? Here's an answer. Here's an answer to that question, why Sunday, in the form of an imaginary conversation that I'm going to have between me acting as two people. You with me? Sounds weird. <clears throat> but but by the way, first before I do that, I am in no way suggesting through this conversation, <clears throat> pardon me, that that people in the church are ignorant or or thick-headed or anything. I am suggesting through this conversation that sort of like the discussion we had last week about Yeshua and the text reading, thus he declared all foods clean. I am suggesting that if you don't really know the scoop, if you don't really know the background info, if you don't, it's quite possible, it's very easy actually, that you can read the New Testament and walk away with the completely wrong understanding of what's happening there. I don't care how many times you've read it. If you're reading it wrong every time, it's always going to be wrong at the end of it. So, why Sunday blue laws uh, duh because it's the Sabbath it is I, I was under the impression that, that you know the Sabbath was a Friday night Saturday night thing well it was it was but Jesus changed that well how well it's easy He resurrected on Sunday. That changed everything. The the community of disciples began to celebrate that. And yeah, even though he didn't say he changed it, it was implied and obvious. So obviously then, it changed from Saturday to Sunday. And more importantly, I would have you know, you inquisitive, misled individual, Jesus did away with all of that Old Testament stuff, like Sabbath, you know, that's kind of like bondage-y, if I can invent a word. We're not under the law. Have you ever seen Jews celebrate the Sabbath? All the rules and not turning on lights and stuff? I mean, that's that's an old thing. That's the law, that's not us. But wasn't it his custom to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath? It was, yes. But that was so that he could go in there and find the Jews where they were all gathered and tell them about what they were doing wrong. That's why he was in there. And it's also, I mean, have you read the New Testament? It's obvious when you read this, he hated the Sabbath. He hated the Pharisees and all their bondage and, you know, stoning people in the Old Testament because they broke the Sabbath, man. Jesus was, he was picking up grain and hauling animals out of ditches and healing people. Sabbath, man. Jesus, Sabbath, we don't need no stinking Sabbath. Jesus was not doing that. He was a rebel, He left that stuff in the dust. He brought in some new stuff for a true believer. So, yeah, everything changed to Sunday. The church became a new thing, and we're still doing a new, awesome thing on Sunday. Here's my question. Is that true? Is any of that true? There is one part that's true. What's the one true part I said? He resurrected on Sunday, and they remembered his resurrection with a special meal or community gathering. But it would be kind of important to know if this were true, any of this, because Unless you subscribe to a, it's not a new way of thinking, it's a very ancient way of thinking. It's, it, it was, it's been made very famous over the last several years by the likes of Pastor Stanley in Atlanta and uh, 40,000 people at North Point Community Church. If you subscribe to the idea that the Old Testament has been done away with, including, as Andy said in his message, the Big Ten then this doesn't matter to you. But if you believe that the word of God from Genesis to Revelation has relevance for all of us, this is kind of a big deal. It's kind of something worth thinking about. Because it is in the Big Ten. It is number four. It's in the top five of the Big Ten. I mean... Exodus 28, it says, remember the Sabbath day, 20 verse 8. If we're going to remember it, we should know when it is. To keep it holy for six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of who? Of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And it says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. For that reason the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Man, listen, if God is calling things holy and blessing them and giving me a chance to participate in that, I want to do that. I want to know when that is, what it is, why. And there's a commandment that says to remember it, and later there's one that says... Observe it, that's kind of important, guard it, it seems like we should know what and when and why, but the truth is that's actually a different message than I want to give today because our focus today is not actually about that. Our focus is on sort of two questions about Yeshua, Jesus, the Jewish Jesus and the Sabbath. Did Yeshua change or advocate changing the Sabbath? You don't have to answer it now. Was Yeshua, number two, was he a rebellious Sabbath breaker, as some might suggest with a cursory read of the New Testament? And three, just sort of thrown in there, maybe a bonus, if not, what in the world is going on here? I mean, how did we get here? Point one, there is very little in Judaism, I think, that compares with the beauty and the value of the Sabbath. Shabbat. It is, as I mentioned, in the Big Ten, but you find it in a lot of other places. As a matter of fact, we read it, yes, in the Fourth Commandment. But do you know where we first encounter the Sabbath? Genesis 2, like 2 1. So we get the creation story in Genesis 1, and then we encounter these words. And so the heavens and the earth were completed, all their heavenly lights. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Here it is again. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it. What does it mean to sanctify something? It means to set it apart. It means to make it holy. He sanctified a day, because on it he rested from all his work, which God had created. We find it again in Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23 in the Torah is the listing of God's festivals. Which one is first? The Shabbat. The Shabbat, it's a weekly, weekly appointed time. That's how God describes the festivals. These are my appointed times. For six days, Leviticus 23.3, for six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You know that's what you're doing here? A holy act of worship to God on the day that he declared it to be in Genesis 2 and going forward. It is bookended. If you've ever celebrated a full Shabbat, it's bookended by candle lighting, basically. Last night, around 621 or so, Kelly lit the Shabbat candles. The woman of the home, or a man if there is no woman, lights the candles and welcomes in the presence of God. And for the next 24 plus hours, it is a sanctuary in time. And later, that next Saturday night, after the Shabbat, a sun has set and three stars are in the sky. We have another candle, and we extinguish that candle in an act of Havdalah, of Hamavdil ben Kodesh Lechol, when God separates the Holy Sabbath from the other six days of the common week. There's a phrase there's a quote in Judaism more than more than the Jewish people have kept the Sabbath the Sabbath has kept the Jewish people. It is in my personal experience I can testify to this. I have adult children with their own kids who bring kid who come to my house to be there yes part of it's for their mother's his mom's cooking because why on Saturday Friday night Oh, everything comes alive in Kelly's cooking. Why? Because it's the day she's dedicated to God to make it so special. And so many other things. Despite the blue laws, we actually do have wine and beverages on Shabbat. Why? Because Psalm 104 says that wine brings joy to the heart of man, and if you can handle it reasonably, there are certainly people who cannot, and I understand that. But... There's a joy that comes on Shabbat that is unmatched. If you've ever celebrated, if you've ever been invited to a Shabbat dinner, you can, ah, by the way, next week on the 19th if you would like to. But you know, that phrase, the Sabbath has kept the Jewish people, is an interesting thing. It's happening right now in our Torah portion. In Exodus 31, that section of building the tabernacle comes to a conclusion, and the last thing God says is, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Do you know what happens in Exodus 32? The greatest tragedy of Israel's life, the golden calf. So for the next three chapters, two chapters, there's Moses begging for mercy and thousands of people are getting killed. So God gives this, the commandments and the instructions for building a tabernacle where he's going to dwell. And then he gives the Shabbat and he says, set this day apart. And then they just miserably fail But Moses does go up to the mountain and he comes down and he's received forgiveness and his second tablets. And do you know what the first thing that Moses says to the people of Israel after he comes down is? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Why? Because it bookends the Jewish people. Yes, God, we want to be with you. We're going to worship a golden calf. We don't really want to be with you. We must be with you. God brings us together and holds the Jewish people, even in failure. So, I mean, I could literally talk about Shabbat all day. That's not actually, I told you that's not what we were here to do. So I'll move right into the shocker. You ready for a, are you ready for shocking, like fall out of your chair shocking? Yeshua. Knew the very same things that I'm telling you about the blessings of Shabbat and he observed the Shabbat and he remembered the Shabbat and he guarded the Shabbat and it wouldn't surprise me at all if at Friday night, Peter, Paul, and yeah, maybe Mary (laughs) were hanging out and having a Shabbat celebration and where was Yeshua to be found the next day? right where you are. I wish it was in Macon, but it was at least in the synagogue. He remembered the Shabbat according to the Torah and his custom. What was his custom? We've already talked about this. You can read it. As was his custom. And Luke 4 is the great example of this because he's been immersed in the Jordan, he's been tempted in the wilderness, and now he's coming into his ministry. What's the first thing? It's the first thing Jesus returned to the Galilee and the power of the Spirit and the news about Him spread through the surrounding region, and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Yeah, you bet he was in there teaching. He was teaching them about the bondage he was under with the Law. We'll keep reading. Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. He was not standing in the back corner going, look at this, man. He's a participant. He's... Saying prayers and reading. It wasn't his intention to go in and lecture and reprimand the attendees. It was to worship God. And yes, to teach and announce. But what was he bringing? The message of the kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it. This is the Torah that Yeshua was upholding and, and teaching to be upheld. Is it even remotely possible for one millisecond that Yeshua came teaching against the Sabbath? Is that even remotely possible that he undid it? That anything about him suggested that it should be undone? The answer is no, it's not possible. This is a Brit Olam. It is an eternal covenant between God and his people. And if Yeshua wanted one single follower to listen to a word he said, it could never be talking about how the Sabbath was legalistic or bad. That simply cannot work. And for fear of sounding, with fear of sounding like a broken record, I'll say it again. I told you last week, if Yeshua ate a meat lover's pizza, he's not your Messiah. He's a Torah violator. If Yeshua violated Shabbat with disrespect and disdain, he is also not your Messiah. Because as I've told you in just three places, the Shabbat is a commandment of God. And furthermore, Yeshua says, I did not come to abolish, not to abolish, but to fulfill. And he talks about not getting rid of the Torah, but then he goes on to say, anyone who teaches someone To disobey these will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, Yeshua, is not the least in the kingdom of heaven as far as I recollect. He's the most in the kingdom of heaven. So clearly he did not do that. To teach others to do those things would be a pure violation of the Messiah's role. But this will take us into point two. There are times when Yeshua is involved in discussion, disagreement with religious authorities, right? Regarding Sabbath observance. Anyone who has read it has seen it. And that gives the impression of outright, well, it it gives the perception of this sort of outright disdain and violation of Shabbat. And this has led to a conclusion or the perception of Jesus, that is incorrect. That he is something he's not. And that's important. It separates him from the Jewish foundation and message. And here is something really, really important. It separates his followers from the beauty of the day which God called holy and sanctified. It separates people from a blessing by misunderstanding these things about Yeshua and what he's actually saying. That he hated the Pharisees and his life was devoted to overturning any and all influence that they, that they were just pouring out this bondage on people. That he was a radical Jew, opposed to all things religious or man-made, and he wanted to break everyone out of the yoke of bondage. And as far as the Sabbath goes, oh, don't get him started. He's a, he, he was in their face, purposeful Sabbath breaker, teaching others to do it. Why? Because he came to deliver us from the curse of the law, right? He did come to deliver you from the curse of the law. You know what it is? Death. Not the Shabbat. Or any other part of the Torah. But anyway, that's another message. Why the need? Why the need to demonstrate Yeshua in this role? Why? Well, it's something like this. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. See, if Jesus regarded it, then we can, if he disregarded it, then we can too. We, as a matter of fact, we should. We should follow his example and not do anything. As a matter of fact, on March 7th, 321, when Constantine moved the Shabbat to Sunday, he said, this is the day when people shouldn't work. And we're not getting into the history right now. But I should have. If I had time, I could tell you exactly how it happened. But there's, we're looking at the deeper sort of spiritual components of that. What's so interesting to consider is that Yeshua was accused by the Pharisees of being a Sabbath breaker, a Sabbath violator. And yet 2,000 years later, that's the foundation of accusations against him. But it's for a good thing. Like... Look at him standing up to those religious. I got a relationship, not a religion. To affirm the Pharisees that he was a Sabbath breaker is is not knowing what it truly means if Yeshua disrespected the Shabbat and taught others to do it. But did he? We're going to investigate this. So there are prohibitions on the Shabbat. And like I told you about kosher laws, there are thousands upon thousands of rules and laws about observing Shabbat in Judaism. I don't do the majority of them because I was not raised in an Orthodox Jewish home. I don't know that. It's not my culture But I certainly do parts of it. But how did we get that? We got that from. 39 prohibitions that came a long, 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 long time ago from the rabbis who read the text in the book of Exodus and said, look, God said we shouldn't build the tabernacle on Shabbat. These are the activities that are involved in building the Shabbat. So this is the list because he just said, don't work on Shabbat. He didn't really tell us exactly what that means. Don't kindle a flame. Don't do other things. But so it was left to the Jewish sages to come up with how to teach the people to honor the Shabbat. So there were 39 prohibitions, basically. Things like we don't reap, we don't sow, we don't harvest, we don't tie, carrying, even later healing. Because some of these things, what we're preventing here is creating things. That's the prohibition on Shabbat. We don't create because God created for six days and then he ceased from his creation. So things that change the status. I, I, you know, In an orthodox community, nobody writes on Shabbat, nobody draws, nobody does those types of things. That's creating something. So that's the general idea behind some of the prohibitions on Shabbat. So enter Jesus now. Yeshua the Sabbath breaker sounds like a like a horror movie or something This is a summary of some of the opportun- uh, some of the incidents where he's accused of being a Sabbath breaker Each one of these and maybe one day we'll do it each one of these is a unique look into Jewish law and Yeshua's interactions with the Judaism of his day But here's a here's just a list of Sabbath violating Jesus. Mark 2, the disciples were picking and husking grain in the field on the Sabbath. Mark 3, he healed a withered hand, a man with a withered hand in the synagogue, on the Sabbath. Luke 13, he straightened a woman's bent back on the Sabbath in the synagogue. John 5, he healed a paralytic and told him to carry his mat. You can't carry your mat on the Sabbath. John 9, he created mud and he smeared it on a blind man's eyes. He, he mixed up with spittle and mud and made a salve and put it on this guy's eyes and healed him. You can't do that on the Sabbath, Jesus. But John 9 adds something really interesting that I don't want you to miss. Then the Pharisees were also asking this blind man who he had healed, how did you receive your sight? And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, listen, some of the Pharisees, remember I told you not all Pharisees are bad, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God. Because he does not keep the Sabbath. He had created a salve healed, and so they're saying, what I just told you. If Yeshua broke the Sabbath, if he violated the Sabbath, he is a Torah and Sabbath violator, and he's not your Messiah, and that's what they're saying right there. In all these examples... The intention for them, when they interview him about why he's doing things, is to show that very thing, that he's a Sabbath breaker, therefore he is not the Messiah. So the Pharisees are saying to the people, look at him, guys, he's not who you think he is. But what they really should have said there is, this man is not from God, because he, should, he does not keep the Sabbath as we think it should be kept. So just as we learned last week, the Pharisees were teaching a curious, Yeshua, why do your disciples eat with unwashed hands? They were curious about that. We wash hands. Why do they not do it? And in Luke 5, he's curious. Luke 5, Luke 4, 4 or 5. The sinners and tax collector meal. And they're curious. They're like, man, what are you doing? Why do you hang out with these people? That's not what we do. And just like last week where we talked about Yeshua saying, guys, you, you misunderstand what's happening here. It's, this, it's the adultery, the licentiousness, the sin, the envy, the jealousy that's inside that pollutes you. Washing your hands is, is good. But it's not what makes you impure, you're missing the message. And again, I want to remind you of something that I said earlier in this series. Yeshua's teaching, his interactions with Pharisees, he was very aligned with them in terms of Messiah, resurrection, uh, uh, rewards and punishments in the world to come, the kingdom of God, all kinds of massive theological alignments with the Pharisees. But he was not a Pharisee. And we need to keep that in mind. He was not one He had an expanded message, the message he heard from his father. And he was here to announce the good news of the gospel, repent for the kingdom is at hand, and that he had come not to abolish the Torah, but to fulfill it, to expand, to unpack the proper interpretation that he knew because he was the word made flesh. Now, the common assumption among the disciples of Yeshua is this, that his actions are supposed to mean in all those things that I just told you That he's supposed to sort of be, you know, giving the Pharisees a... And you know what that means. Ah, Get out of here. All that Pharisaic bondage you're under with not creating things, check all that. We're doing a new thing. What he's actually saying is, guys, we're doing a really, really old and beautiful thing. But you're not getting the weightier matters. You're missing a piece of it. Something's not clicking for you. We've gotten off track. And if we had the time and if this message was totally focused on Shabbat, we could show a number of how the teachings in Judaism actually come along over time and support so many of the things that Yeshua said, like they actually listened they support his words, but here's the thing: Yeshua does not argue with the Pharisees about whether or not he's violating the Sabbath. Why? Because he was by some standard. making mud, wiping it on eyes, creating a healing balm, telling somebody to carry something on Shabbat, allowing grain to be husked through the fields, healing people. He goes on to say, though, the man with the withered hand, they question Yeshua, asking, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Trick, trap, let's make him look bad. He can't be the Messiah. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might bring charges against him. But he said to them, He never answered the question. He didn't answer that question. What he said to them instead was he gave them something to really think about. And here was his response when they said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? No answer to that. He says, what man is there among you who has a sheep and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it out? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Luke 13, the woman who couldn't stand straight, he healed her in the synagogue and the the synagogue leader was very mad at him and he said, listen, why'd she have to come today? There's six other days. She could have come, fine, you healed her, that's great, but why did it have to happen on Shabbat? He says, you hypocrites, does each of you on the Sabbath not untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to the water? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this restraint on the Sabbath day? What is the point I hope it's incredibly obvious, but let me make it. Yeshua loved the Shabbat. I'm certain of that. You can't celebrate it and not love it. You certainly can't be the Messiah of Israel and not love it. He honored it as a commandment and a privilege. He never abolished it. He never changed it or even suggested that the rabbinic interpretations of Shabbat were highly problematic or illegitimate. He was as he did sometimes, going beyond the letter of the law. You ever seen him do that? He does that sometimes. He entered a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered, and they were watching him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Get up, come forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do harm? To save life or to kill? That's a really good question. It deserves an answer. He didn't get one because they said nothing. They kept silent after looking around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart. And there it is. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. Shouldn't we do good? Shouldn't we save life? Shouldn't we offer blessing? Yeshua thought so. And just like Peter was uh, perplexed about his vision, commanding him to go to the Gentiles, and just like the unwashed hands, Yeshua wanted them to see differently, compassionately, with mercy. And he fulfilled God's instructions about the Shabbat in the way that God would have it done. And Hosea 6.6, Yeshua quotes this when he's talking about the disciples walking through the grain fields. He says, he says, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Yeshua prioritized the alleviation of human suffering above the prohibition of the Shabbat. Is that like brain science? Is that rocket surgery? It's not. Difficult what he's saying. But it does not mean that he was opposed to all things Jewish and decided the Sabbath wasn't meaningful. He says, But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion. Rather than sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. You know where that's coming from? Hosea 6 6, where Hosea says, I God says, I desire loyalty rather than sacrifice and the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. I'm about to close this. Here's a quote from Messianic luminary, Svea Lichtenstein, who says it this way It is not his intention, heaven forbid, Yeshua, to permit destruction of the Sabbath or desecration, as confused people suppose. Rather, the meaning is that mercy is more important to the Holy One, blessed be He, than the Sabbath. Mercy takes precedence over the ceremony. Like the prophet Hosea in this verse didn't intend to nullify the sacrifices, but instead he meant to teach that the internal service of the heart is more important, as he says there, and the knowledge of God rather than burn offerings. See, people read Hosea and say, there it is, God did away with the sacrificial system. No, he didn't. But he doesn't want a gross, black, dark, molded, wretched heart. To come and bring a sacrifice because it means nothing. And your Sabbath observance means nothing if you cannot prioritize the good of others above the law. That's what he means. And that's what Yeshua was doing, because that's what the kingdom was going to look like. You read the Sermon on the Mount. Look at it. It asks us to go the extra mile. Your light must shine before people that they may see your good works. You've heard it said, you'll love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say, no, man, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Are you good at that? (laughs) I'm still working on it. From these Shabbat conversations, these interactions, here's what we see. One, he wanted to see the sanctity of life restored. It was the highest priority. Two, he wanted to see people observing Torah. Observing Torah for the right reasons with the right motivations. And while he never undid the Torah, suggested it it could become a tool, it could be a tool used to control and manipulate. And that wasn't going to happen with Yeshua around. We must love God and love people. He wanted people to turn, to return to the Torah and to see it in its beauty. Never intending to overturn, change the day, or even especially suggest that we we should be looking for opportunities to violate the Shabbat. He never encouraged that. He couldn't. He wouldn't. It does matter. The Shabbat does matter to God. And so, yes, a large percentage of the world does not recognize or celebrate the seventh day of the week, the Shabbat. It's a day sanctified and set apart for blessing. Yeshua, your Messiah, did. And we can end the very same way we ended last week. WWJD. Yeshua would be here. And if somebody's car broke down in the parking lot, Yeshua would pick up a wrench and fix it. Well, that's, that's probably pushing it. The car could probably wait. But, okay, <laughs> scratch that one. That was a bad example. Uh, sometimes I do that. There, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that he would do that might not look just right for the ultra-religious. But he was the Son of God. And this confusing thing where he says, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. It's its own message. But it's not what you think. The Son of Man is you. In that case... The Son of Man is you. When he's talking to the disciples and he's telling the Pharisees why they're going through and picking out grain, he says, God made the Shabbat for you to enjoy. The Son of Man is the master of the Sabbath. People have taken that for years to mean that he can do whatever he wanted to do with it. That's not true. Because he was the obedient son of God, the Messiah, who exalted and enjoyed the very day that we are sharing. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Let's stand together. Actually, actually, actually. Last caveat. Am I then saying that everyone who worships on a Sunday is, you know, going to go to hell or is some kind of pagan. Absolutely not. The church is a beautiful institution. And Sunday as a day of worship for that community has been established for 2,000 some years. The church does amazing things that happen on Sundays. Absolutely, it's a wonderful thing that happens, but it is not the Sabbath. And that's all I'm saying to you. And the Sabbath, the literal Sabbath, contains blessings that you can't find on Sunday.